Good morning. It is wonderful to see you and to worship alongside you uh, today at WPC on this Labor Day weekend. Uh, we've had a fun summer and uh, ha- we've enjoyed having one combined service, but we're also looking forward to next week where we'll return to our two services on Rally Day. Uh, if you do happen to show up at 10 o'clock uh, and forget that uh, we've moved back to two services, you'll be uh, in perfect time for the, the Rally Day brunch and, and learn about all the educational opportunities and you can come worship at 11. Uh, uh, we're looking forward to that. But today I'm excited uh, to begin a new sermon series, uh, walking through the Epistle of James, the uh, known and, and beloved reformer Martin Luther once called the book of James an epistle of straw, essentially meaning that he didn't think a whole lot of it. Uh, and because to him, James challenged Paul's insistence on salvation by grace alone through faith alone. Sadly, because of this, Protestants have not typically spent a lot of energy and thought in the book of James. In fact, it's categorized by New Testament scholars today as one of the Catholic epistles in the Bible. But what Luther and I think uh, our, our church over the years has overlooked is that James is a book that doesn't try to convince you that Christ is Lord. James doesn't try to convince you of our salvation through him by grace through faith. James is writing to a community where faith is already a given. They're already Christians. Now comes time to figure out what this faith looks like in real life. They're already assured of their salvation. Now, what does that look like when it's lived out? Rather than inviting people into a relationship of faith, James wants to show Christians what difference their following Christ makes for themselves and for the entire church. How faith impacts every area of their lives, beyond the church walls and into their homes, workplaces, and communities. Our series this September offers us the opportunity to walk with James and reflect. I am a Christian. Now what? And our reading this morning serves as a fantastic introduction to James, diving right into this question and acquainting us with some of the key themes that will continue throughout the letter. Taming the tongue and anger, caring for the marginalized, the idea of pure religion. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the first chapter of James, beginning with the 17th verse. Every generous act of giving, with every perfect gift, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth, by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, 
and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. This weekend, my family and I ventured up to Winchester to visit the Children's Museum up there, which is fantastic if you haven't been. Throughout the museum, there were various mirrors, which if you have spent any time with an infant, you know they almost all universally love mirrors. But these mirrors were different. They were intentionally warped and twisted Some of them would make you appear taller, while others shorter, some wider and some more narrow than you really are. While these mirrors were intended to be fun and educational, teaching us how reflection and light work together, they also attempted to deceive us. Something even my infant son caught on to quickly by the confused look on his face glaring back at his own reflection. Deception is something James is particularly concerned about in his letter. And mirrors too, but we'll get there. Our lectionary reading begins at kind of an odd point. It's at the end of one argument and at the beginning of another, which is what we we read most of today. Just before our reading, James alerts his readers about trials and temptations that are just a part of human life. And ends just before our reading saying... Beloved, do not be deceived. So this passage about being a Christian is rooted in this warning of trials, but also of not being deceived. James continues this guidance of what it means to be a Christian, and he starts by saying that the Christian life begins with gratitude, saying every generous act of giving comes from above. Gratitude for the gift of God, the Father of lights, creator of the heavens. Gratitude in giving us new life through the word made flesh for us in Christ. But this gift of God was given to us that, in turn, we might be a gift to the world. The first fruits of God's creation. The Christian life is one that is lived out in gratitude for God's abundant generosity. Any talk of what it means to be a Christian, to live the Christian life, must begin with this overwhelming gift of generosity. And our gratitude, in turn, takes the form of generosity to others, seeking to share Christ's love and participating in the abundance of God by giving abundantly of ourselves. It is only after establishing the generosity of God that he begins the practical advice of being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. 
it's likely that James was addressing some conflict in the community, but to him, these teachings really serve a greater role, to allow the community to hear. To hear one another, but more importantly, to hear God's word. The word, he says, that has been implanted in us by the Spirit with the power to save. It is only when we're slow to speak, it's only when we're slow to anger and quick to listen, that we can welcome this life-giving word with meekness. The instruction, then, is to put aside anything that can get in the way of hearing and receiving this life-changing, life-saving word. Now, for James, hearing always leads to doing. Hearing is the foundation of doing. But even more so, truly hearing the word means responding with action. James uses the illustration of a mirror to help us understand this idea. There are a couple of things we need to know about mirrors, though, in this time before we can really understand what James is talking about. First, when we hear mirror in the Bible, we have to understand that it's a little different. Mirrors did not have the ability to reflect a crystal clear image of a person as they do today. They were often blurry and warped. They weren't made of glass, but often of bronze or brass or even very polished stone. So the image was often blurry or warped. Think to Paul in his letter, uh, 1 Corinthians, when he says, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. It, It would be easy to be deceived back then by what you saw in the mirror. Second, he is addressing a group of Jewish folks living in the Greco-Roman world. These are folks who are familiar with the Torah, but also Socrates alike. To Socrates, the mirror was a device to which know thyself. It allowed for a person not to mistake themselves for God, to avoid pride by knowing limits, and to improve oneself. One scholar says that for Socrates, uh, that the mirror for Socrates was not a passive mirror of imitation, but an active one of transformation. To me, it seems like James is aware of this when using the illustration. Hearing without doing, he says, is like someone looking in a mirror who forgets their image. Who they are as a child of God. They forget this image as a child of God as soon as they walk away. In other words, he tells us that hearing that doesn't result in doing, in action, this is worthless. As people, James reminds us that we are easily deceived. Even about who we ourselves are. Even when we look in a mirror, we can quickly forget who we are as beloved children of God. When this identity as children of God is not acted out in deeds of love, this identity that's created for gratitude and generosity can quickly turn to resentment and entitlement. Scholar Francis Taylor Gensch here says that James reminds us that there is only one mirror that shows forth our true reflection, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In that mirror, which James holds before us, 
We see who we are in light of God's love and what we are meant to be. Friends, when this happens, when we see who we are in light of the gospel, of the perfect law of love and liberty, James says that we are not like the hearers who forget, but the doers who act, who persevere and then are blessed in their doing. What then does it mean to be a Christian? To be one is to hear and to do. When our hearing of the gospel, when our faith isn't acted out, we forget who we are. We don't see the image of God in ourselves or in others. But when we see who we are, that is created and blessed to be first fruits of God's good creation, just as God gave us a gift that we might be a gift to others, God also blesses us that we might be a blessing to others. The Christian life is one of God's action and our faithful response. This response is not done out of fear or of obligation or even of seeking to earn God's favor. No, our faithful response is one of gratitude for God's generous gift to us in Christ. Yesterday, believe it or not, marked two years since I began serving as your pastor here at WPC. It's been wonderful, humbling, inspiring, and I look forward to our future together serving Christ. One of the things way back that drew me to your congregation in the search was the title of this congregation's mission study that this congregation created in in the transition. Do y'all remember what the title was? To Be and Do. From there on, I knew that this was an epistle of James' congregation. That existing as a congregation for WPC was rooted in doing, in action, in living out our faith together in community. This is something that is so beautifully captured in the tagline for our church as a servant community. By God's spirit at work in us, friends, I hope we will continue to live into this vision. Our text concludes with a summary of all these ideas, ones that James will elaborate on further throughout the letter. He talks about religion. Whenever James talks about religion, to him it's not a passive faith, but it's an active one. It's not a religion to be observed from the sidelines, but one to dig in and get messy with. Rather than orthodoxy, which is right belief, James is concerned with orthopraxy, right practice. That's what he's concerned about when it comes to faith, to religion. Religion isn't only about doctrines and rituals. Religion takes action. He says pure faith, that, or sorry, that pure religion, that is faith that is acted out, is to care for orphans and widows in their distress. In essence, it's about caring for those in need in our own day and time. On this Labor Day weekend, friends, when many of us are taking long weekends and going to cookouts and getting some well-deserved R&R, James shows up in our lectionary to jolt us out of our comfort, to warn us about being deceived, and reminds us who we are as Christians, as those who hear and do the word of God, 
as we prepare to gather at our Lord's table to be fed and nourished in our identity as children of God. May we seek ways in which our hearing of God's life-giving, life-changing word can be responded to with action for caring for the marginalized and poor in our community and world. All of this out of gratitude for the God who has given us new life in the risen Christ. May it be so. Amen.